0: History is full of amazing stories and memorable people. But we don't care about them.
1: No hits, deep tracks only.
0: Some of the most influential people in the world have been completely overlooked or just plain forgotten.
1: We're digging deep into the history books to bring you their stories.
0: I'm Phil. And I'm Matt. We're not historians. We're just two guys who enjoy a great story and plenty of laughs.
1: This this history's b-side. Today's b-sider is the British bagpiping badass.
0: I thought we'd start out today's episode by playing a little game. Oh great. (laughs) Have you ever played the Walmart game? Do you know what that is? I haven't.
1: Is that I've heard of people playing like marco polo in walmart one in the morning and shit
0: like that but no it's not quite marco polo in the (laughs) aisles of walmart um basically i've never actually played this game but i've at least heard it as a joke i guess you don't even really need to play it it's more just like a conversation game which is perfect for podcasting yeah but if you go into walmart and you can only buy three items what three items would you buy to just freak out the cashier just to make them think something totally uh, weird about you or interesting. like you were up to something.
1: I feel like I go one of two directions. One would be like a violent direction <laughs> and the other one would be a sexual direction. Yeah, that's Cause the- like they sell guns. <laughs> so I feel like I would either have like a shotgun or like an abnormally my three items can one of them be like a pile of one item
0: uh or can it just be like like a
1: box of ammo i'm thinking it like condoms like i would (laughs) buy like
0: 20 condoms (laughs) i feel like that's those are the only two directions people go with this game is like something dangerous or violent or like weirdly sexual
1: i'm gonna stick with sexual because i don't really know where i'm going with a shotgun but i would get like as many condoms as i could purchase (laughs) in one box a watermelon oh, gosh and probably like a weird like mask from the kids toy section <laughs> oh my Gosh, either that or like a, <laughs> a toy sword or like a toy weapon from the kids toy section i regret starting this episode this way um i could just be a sexually active father who likes watermelon <laughs> just buying a kid for my toy some food
0: I and staying safe. was trying to think of a way to go with this that wasn't either of those two directions. Well, I don't know
1: why you started this conversation with me. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz
0: you know I was going to take it in one of those two directions. I see i was trying to think of something like just really goofy like yeah. balloons and I don't know nerf guns and but that's not really so here's the thing. Freak we're out doing this
1: at it's not like you're doing this at I don't know american eagle like you it's walmart you really have to try to freak these people out (laughs) yeah they work at walmart (laughs) you can't just buy goofy things surprise exactly
0: yeah i don't know i i guess i would have to think on that a little bit more as if i didn't have any time to prepare for this episode but (laughs) for something that wouldn't be just like horrible or horrible in a different way (laughs) but Ooh. I guess that's kind of the point. Of the <laughs> you could you could buy like
1: I don't know how many of these ingredients Walmart sells, but you could buy like the ingredients for meth, and then like a beaker, <laughs> <laughs> and a need, funnel. What is it? What's like Sudafed? And... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know them, Phil. <laughs> Isn't it pseudofed that you like have to be
0: a certain age to buy and can only buy a certain amount?
1: You can make something out of pseudofed. I don't know if it's meth.
0: It may, might be. <laughs> We're really showing our background on drug knowledge here, which is not very much.
1: History's B-side does not produce, support, sell, or yeah. use
0: We do not meth. condone any form of the Walmart game that involves meth, violence, horrible sexual activity, or making drugs. I
1: just don't approve of violence and making drugs. <laughs> you can cut them out. we're not here to kink shame <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> all right so let's maybe go a different direction of this game um sort of like desert island i guess you only get three items but rather than i guess being stranded on a desert island you are taking three items into battle if you were into battle yeah if you were in the military and you were Heading into battle and you could only take three items, what would you take?
1: Three items that
0: exist today. Anytime in history. Three real items in any point in history.
1: So I was just having the conversation about the Desert Island thing because me and my dad were talking about Naked and Afraid, that TV show, and whether or not we would do it and what we would bring. But I feel like if I was going into battle, is it assumed that I have clothes? doesn't matter there's just a naked and afraid situation i mean naked okay. and at yeah, war so you
0: have your your military uniform
1: okay great i would bring i think duct tape a clean pair of socks and <laughs> some
0: kind of a weapon
1: yeah i would bring some sort of automatic weapon i don't know enough about guns to like name the weapon but an automatic weapon of course preferably with a scope <laughs> Probably a knife, like a big hunting knife or a machete, or some sort of like. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bring like a large, like a samurai sword or anything like that. But like a a, a cutting tool. And what else? Hmm. Am I going to like a long war, or is this just a battle, like one battle? I don't know, man. Whatever you want. <laughs> well, I was thinking of bringing a grenade, but I felt like that would only last so long. <laughs> it's a one-time use type. Exactly. Thing um this is hard i don't know what i'd bring i guess water
0: yeah i guess that's useful all right well today's main topic (laughs) the reason i bring this up it's not walmart (laughs) no the uh the person we're talking about today was a soldier and spoiler alerts it's a world war ii episode it's been like almost 10 weeks since we did a world war ii episode so i think we're due for one yeah but it's not like the the nazi world war ii episode like there's nothing horrible i don't feel that we need to talk about atrocities or anything too terrible in this episode (laughs) i know just started to disappoint i'm so happy today what is gonna (laughs)
1: depress me before i go to sleep
0: but today's b-sider was a soldier in world war ii who entered the war carrying only a broadsword interesting you mentioned carrying some kind of (laughs) blade but not a sword he had a (laughs) broadsword Bagpipes and a longbow.
1: <laughs> I forgot to mention my saxophone. That's how, yeah, I would bring that <laughs> yeah. to, to war. You
0: need your machete, <laughs> your saxophone and I guess a gun. <laughs> yeah. Or a
1: bow. But, but we're I really like you'd be outmatched. That's why I picked an automatic weapon.
0: We're really not that far in the past here. This is nineteen forties. He's bringing a longbow to a gunfight.
1: <laughs> it's a, a little brave, I feel like, in, in
0: World War Two though. I mean Uh, This guy was definitely kind of brave. I mean, we'll get into that a little bit. But also worth noting that while we are recording this in mid-May, I think it'll come out about mid-July, so peak of summertime. We're currently sitting out on my nice patio, so you might get some fun background noises of neighbor dogs barking or lawn mowing or whatever. So enjoy the the ambiance of... The gentle sounds of chirping birds. What hopefully is nice weather in July when you're listening to this and... (laughs) us enjoying nice weather in may <laughs> all right so as i mentioned today's main topic was a soldier in world war ii and like i said we don't really need to get into the full background of world war ii on this episode
1: i feel like people get world war II, like you know what i mean i feel like people understand enough about it to hear a story from it
0: yeah and this isn't like i don't know the last time we talked about world war ii was the spiritual co-founder of nazism like yeah. that had to do a lot with ideology and understanding kind of where the Nazi party came from and everything like that. Whereas this one is just kind of like a, it's more biopic about one specific guy and his really unique story. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we need to talk a whole lot about the history of World War II and what went into it and what the two sides were and everything like that. So right. we're just going to gonna focus on his story. So we're going to start with his background a little bit and then section two of the episode today we'll get more into his actual role in world war ii and some of the stuff that he got into so today's b-sider is a man named john malcolm thorpe fleming churchill but he was better known (laughs) by his nicknames fighting jack churchill or just simply mad jack
1: angry he's angry
0: not angry mad more like crazy crazy mad (laughs) crazy mad (laughs) wild he's really just a really interesting guy and Putting it that way kind of <laughs> doesn't fully explain what all he got himself into. I'm excited, I'm excited. Yeah, to hear this is about a it. fun topic for sure. Mad Jack Churchill was born on September 16th, 1906, in Colombo, British Salon, which is present-day Sri Lanka. His father, Alec Fleming Churchill, held a senior administrative and engineering position with the British Colonial Service, so the family moved around a lot when they were real young. His family is actually native to Oxfordshire in England, but his given name kind of reflects an Anglo-Scottish ancestry. So he's kind of just from the UK, but not necessarily inherently British. Right.
1: So this might be a dumb question given what you just said, but is he related to Winston Churchill? That's kind of the first thing I thought when I saw his name.
0: Yeah, he's not actually related to Winston Churchill at all. But that does kind of play a role in his story later on, Oh, interesting. just having the similar last name. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Okay. Were there a lot of people
1: named Churchill? I mean, I, that might be a question that...
0: Yeah, I don't know that, but I would think it... I mean, it's a very english yeah, last yeah, it's name, like isn't it? Smith. <laughs> yeah, like we have a lot of Washingtons now, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know that Churchill is necessarily like the most common last name in England, but it just has that very British-sounding yeah. name that you would think that there's probably quite a few Churchills that weren't necessarily related. Soon after Jack was born, soon after Jack was... Come on, Archie.
1: Are you kidding me? Oh my god. That's fantastic and terrible all at the same time. I cannot believe that happened.
0: Should we stop?
1: I mean, yeah, I... It's a lot of noise on there. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, because that's not gonna that's the other thing, it's like that's not gonna stop. I mean we could shut the windows and just sweat. What do you wanna do?
0: Move or sweat? Should we like keep recording or Might as well. Yeah, I feel like fun. All right. Soon after Jack was born, his family moved back to England, specifically to Surrey, where his brother Thomas was born. But then in 1910, they moved again to British Hong Kong, when his father was appointed to be the director of public works. His youngest brother Robert was born in Hong Kong, and the family again moved back to England hmm. by 1917. Moving around like this and traveling around the world would continue to be a theme of Jack Churchill's life, pretty much until (laughs) he was done serving in the army. He received an education at King Williams College on the Isle of Man and the Royal Military College in Sandhurst. Upon his graduation, he was commissioned into the 2nd Battalion Manchester Regiment and served in Burma and India. In his spare time while serving in this region, he enjoyed riding his motorcycle and learning to play the bagpipes. (laughs) Two uh, two standard activities for young men. Yeah, pretty much. Who wouldn't be doing those in their spare time? (laughs) More specifically about those uh, hobbies, he once rode his Zenith motorcycle 1,500 miles across the Indian subcontinent, and at one point on this journey, he crashed into a water (laughs) buffalo. (laughs)
1: This is just on the road. Did it destroy his bike? I feel like crashing into a water buffalo with anything less than a car would,
0: you know, pretty I solidly. Totally. Like, <laughs> Look I didn't into this. Hear a whole lot about this story, but every article I read about him mentioned the fact that he drove his motorcycle into a water into buffalo. A water buffalo. It was like, yeah, while he was over there, he rode his motorcycle fifteen hundred miles and hit a water buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a very minor sub point, but like it was in every single article. <laughs> As for his bagpiping, he learned to play the bagpipes from the pipe major of the Cameron Highlanders, which is in Malaysia. It's Mm -hmm. a big bagpiping group and kind of inspired a lot of uh, future British-style bagpiping groups. (laughs) I don't know a lot about bagpiping. I don't either, except for that one time a year when I have to start talking to (laughs) bagpipe bands for (laughs) my day job. (laughs) St. Paddy's Day. After completing his service in Burma, India, he was awarded the Indian General Service Medal with Burma clasp. Why was he awarded? Was there and did he have any like specific accomplishments that he was being honored for? Or? Uh, I'm not too sure on that. He receives a few more medals throughout his military service. This yeah. one specifically, there wasn't too much on why he earned it. I would assume just completing the the operation competently and sure the way it was supposed to be done. After this service, he returned to England, but became bored with the army life. Anytime it wasn't active duty, he kind of just thought military life was boring. (laughs) So in 1936, he left the army and moved to Nairobi, Kenya, where he worked as a newspaper editor, a male model, and an actor. It's a real renaissance man, all these different jobs and hobbies. Just immediately qualified for everything. It said that he had a very chiseled jawline, which is what... Got him the opportunities as a male model and an actor. But he was really just more in the background, like a a background actor in a couple movies. Sure. He appeared in two movies early in his life. They were called The Thief of Baghdad and A Yank at Oxford. It was actually his bagpiping skills. And, you know, we haven't really talked about this too much yet, but he had archery skills. He knew how to shoot a bow and arrow and... That's what landed him these background roles in these movies.
1: So were these like his modeling and acting career, those were in Kenya? Like was, I I just, I guess I wasn't aware of like a big film presence in Kenya, but
0: no, I mean these, this was kind of a weird time in his life that it's not like super documented chronologically. The thief of Baghdad was actually filmed in 1924. So it was much earlier in his life when he was still living in England Mm. And a yank at Oxford, I, I looked up, and it was filmed in 1936, so it was around the time that he moved to Kenya, but I think it was also filmed still back in England. So this is just kind of like this gotcha. weird break when he left the army and kind of took on some other odd jobs before hmm. <laughs> eventually going back to army. He wasn't in Kenya too long. By 1938, he returned to England, and he took second place in a military piping competition, so... <laughs> Bagpipe competition and he also represented great britain at the world archery championships in oslo norway in 1939 interesting i didn't know
1: there was a world archery championship
0: makes sense i mean i mean i'm not surprised eh? i'm more surprised at the piping competition than the (laughs) world archery championships i actually think i i looked it up briefly and this was one of the earlier Renditions of the world archery championships. I think it was only like in the first couple years of it and it still mm. continues on today I don't think jack churchill fared very well <laughs> In the 1939 world archery championships, but he did represent britain. He just finished somewhere Not near the top Come on jack you gotta practice man. I mean, it's not really a knock against him as we'll see he was a skilled archer, but maybe just not on the day of the competitions competition competition was a big uh, was a big pond for a little fish maybe so we can already see that he was kind of a unique soldier so to say (laughs) i think that's safe (laughs) we'll take a short break here and then we'll get more into the story of mad jack churchill and the role that he played in world war ii
1: After a year of podcasting, we sure enjoyed all the coffees our listeners bought us.
0: But honestly, I don't handle the caffeine very well. And that's why we don't use Buy Me a Coffee anymore. But seriously, we just wanted to take a minute to tell you some ways you can support the podcast on our website, historiesbside.com.
1: The first and most direct way you can support our podcast is by signing up for a membership. You can join at any monthly contribution level, but we suggest $10 to start. Though please feel free to pick whatever fits into your budget. A membership will get you access to monthly boneless episodes, show notes, future episode cues, surprise gifts, and more.
0: We also have on there our merch shop, which includes things like t-shirts, hoodies, hats, drinkware, bags, stuff for adults, kids, and dogs, so you can rep your favorite history podcast everywhere you go. You'll
1: also find extras, including free stickers, bookmarks, and postcards. You can suggest an episode topic or submit a question about the podcast, one of our episodes, or even about us.
0: That website again is historiesb And now, back to the episode. All right, so we've been talking a little bit about fighting jack churchill or mad jack who is this really interesting soldier from world war ii serving for britain and already we talked a little bit about how he went into battle carrying only a broadsword bagpipes and a longbow which is really a unique choice for your uh it's a standard soldier's uniform right yeah your cavalry or armory or whatever you want to (laughs) call it i guess but uh he started his military service in Burma and India, took a little hiatus where he went down to Kenya, filmed a couple movies, took on some modeling jobs, you know, standard stuff for a soldier of the day. <laughs> but now he's about to be called back into service in Britain's army. Right as Britain joins World War II in 1939, Jack Churchill was still a part of the Army Reserve, so he was called back into service and was placed in the british expeditionary force in france he continued to use his longbow as a part of his military weaponry believing that the bow was an effective weapon it was silent and accurate up to 200 yards he also carried his scottish broadsword which was specifically a basket-hilted claymore medieval sword I don't know a lot about swords. You probably know more than I do, or at least your dad does. <laughs> My dad does own a couple
1: swords. All I know about this, like the basket hilted, I don't know what claymore means, um, but the basket hilt is like the, the covering of your hand. The part that goes over your hand. Yeah. So like instead of a, I think if you ask somebody to like draw a medieval sword, they draw a cross, right? With that like... Oh, yeah, yeah. With the hand guard, but it only goes in two directions. But they started... I was actually reading about this when I was looking into trivia questions for you. But they started putting bands from the cross section down to the bottom of the handle to protect the hand. it started with just one. And, like, I think we've all seen swords with, yeah, like, just yeah. the one. But as things got more intricate artistically and, and craftsman-wise, they, you know, ended up with these really ornate basket weave style coverings and it was i mean it's all probably a status symbol yeah and but it was also meant to protect the hand yeah during combat
0: i just think it's funny because i i mean when i was researching this i came across some pictures of jack churchill that we'll have to share on our social media (laughs) feeds when it comes out but you can see him like holding the sword as he's leading his battalion into combat or whatever <laughs> like it's very much a part of his uniform he really like that hold it on him he was actually famously quoted as saying that any officer who goes into action without his sword is improperly dressed <laughs> kind of reminds me of uh uh gregor mcgregor a little bit yeah
1: what did you talk about just yeah like he got real obsessed with like rank and insignia dressing a certain way mm-hmm. to reflect your military status i honestly feel like Like, let alone the bagpipes. We're not even going to talk about the bagpipes. (laughs) But I feel like carrying just the bow and the broadsword would really inhibit my ability to quickly move around during a battle. Yeah, it's just giving me anxiety trying to imagine running (laughs) through like a World War II battlefield with all this stuff hanging off of me.
0: I have to imagine they weren't light, like especially the sword. Yeah, it has to be pretty hefty what he's carrying around. But also, like, I don't know, like maybe he just (laughs) had a very old-fashioned mentality when it came to military service yeah. yeah that's what you did <laughs> so on may 27th 1940 near the french village of La Pinette, mad jack led an ambush on a german patrol he actually gave the signal for his unit to attack by raising his broadsword of course and then he killed the first approaching nazi soldier with a barbed arrow from his longbow from about 30 yards away. So he's Legolas. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> this was believed to be the only kill by bow and arrow in World War II, and the last by any British officer in combat.
1: I kind of wish like a British officer today would just like bring a bow and
0: arrow just to get the record. <laughs> this is maybe kind of a morbid thought, but like... <laughs> You know how we make a big deal about like American soldiers that were killed in combat coming home and like rightfully so, but not saying that like, I don't know how Nazi soldiers were handled at the time when they came home after being killed in combat. But can you imagine being like the of uh, (laughs) guy soldier and they're like, he died in combat. He was shot by a bow and arrow. No, that would be terrible. (laughs) I didn't know the enemy was using bow and arrows. (laughs) They aren't just this one guy just the one guy
1: he also killed a guy by breaking his bagpipes in half and stabbing him with the pipe jeez that's what i would do with a bagpipe at war i don't know what he's doing carrying this thing around i think
0: it was more like a hobby like i understand
1: but he brought it to battle (laughs) if i was bringing my saxophone to battle you better believe it would turn into a bat
0: I mean, no offense, but bagpipes are quite a bit louder than a saxophone. I don't think anyone would hear a it's saxophone true. on the battlefield, whereas bagpipes they are just wouldn't. like annoying like a <laughs> like whining, Is somebody dying playing cat. soft
1: jazz in the <laughs> distance? Is there a village still
0: open? So threatening.
1: Wham's careless whisper on the
0: battlefield. <laughs> <laughs> Later on, Mad Jack volunteered for the Commandos. This was a British special forces dedicated to carrying out raids against German-occupied areas in Europe. In December of 1941, he was second in command of a commando troop who raided the German storehouses in Volkse, Norway. He played a rendition of March of the Cameron Men on his bagpipes, before throwing a grenade and charging into battle naturally (laughs) of course what like what else would you expect is he like playing the
1: bagpipes with the grenade in his hand
0: i have to think like (laughs) you know the bagpipes are designed that you blow air into them so you can like not constantly be blowing on them you can take breaths so you like fill the bag with air you're playing your song by releasing the air and at this time your mouth is free to pull the pin out of the grenade launch it as you charge into battle while your bagpipe music is still playing
1: I'd feel so bad, like you said with the bow and arrow, I'd get, I, I would really be upset and embarrassed if I got killed at battle by a guy still playing the bagpipes. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's just annoying. It's embarrassing and annoying.
1: It'd be worse to get like amputated so you had to tell a story. How'd that happen? Well, there was this guy running across the battlefield with bagpipes and he was playing them and I didn't see his sword coming.
0: It's kind of a built-in excuse though because bagpipes are like super distracting. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, where is that sound coming from? Boom! <laughs> For this mission, he earned the Military Cross and Bar Medal after the success of this raid. He was also the commanding officer for a commando operation in Sicily and Salerno in Italy. Matt Jack and a corporal were ordered to capture a German observation post outside of the town of Molina. Armed with only his broadsword, the two men captured 42 German prisoners and a mortar squad. Do you know, like, anything about this? Like, how was he
1: able to capture and maintain 42 people with just a sword?
0: (laughs) I I mean, this is just another one of those is, like, the actual operation wasn't described in a lot of detail. Just every single one said just him and one other guy with only his broadsword captured 42 German
1: soldiers. I feel like if I was in a group of 42 people being held captive by a guy with just a sword, I would definitely convince the others to all bum rush. Him. <laughs> like,
0: I mean, it has to be a sneak attack or sure. something, but like, oh, yeah, I don't know. You, maybe they cornered them somehow. That is pretty embarrassing though. If you they were kept them all in those soldiers, soldiers. <laughs> yeah. how'd they get you? It was this psycho guy with a broad sword. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he had John with the bagpipes.
0: I guess they're German.
1: He had Franz with the bagpipes.
0: <laughs> what?
1: I feel like Franz is a Franz. I Franz. <laughs> Is that how it would be pronounced in German? I suppose that's That's correct. Franz. 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 He hit Franz with the bagpipes.
0: (laughs) For this operation, he was awarded the Distinguished Service Order, but he actually lost his sword during hand-to-hand combat in Molina. Oh no! (laughs) What will he do? So, soon after he returned to retrieve it, and along the way ran into a group of American soldiers who were mistakenly heading towards enemy lines. Jack warned them to turn around, but As good American men, they refused to listen. Of course. So Mad Jack told them that he was going his own way and wouldn't be returning for a bloody third time. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds about right. I can imagine him (laughs) saying that. In May of 1944, Mad Jack was now on an operation in Yugoslavia.
1: It's a callback to the Helga Meyer episode different time period i mean though. definitely a way different time period they yeah. weren't running around Yugoslavia at the same time but.
0: he actually hopped in helga meyer's camaro and
1: i feel like him and helga meyer would be a, a, a pretty gruesome I think team so too
0: like, they would have been a great yeah they're, team. yeah
1: they're gonna they're gonna win they would have won the the bonus episode super fights
0: jumping in the little time machine here it was actually mad jack and helga meyer who rounded up 42 german soldiers yeah. and with just a broadsword <laughs> and a camaro camaro is a time machine yes
1: yeah The like like the DeLorean to in, yes. in Back to
0: the Future <laughs> this is where we take a little bit of liberties with history on our podcasts and, yeah but everything else is true Mad Jack exactly. is a very real guy despite the fact that his we story said. sounds so <laughs> ridiculous
1: <laughs> as does Helga Myers I feel
0: like they are yeah, like the,
1: the crazy twins yeah. <laughs> the podcast <laughs> of history's b-side
0: if we need some like mascots for our yeah. show so, in 1944, Mad Jack is now in Yugoslavia. They were actually ambushed by German soldiers at this time who launched a mortar shell that killed or wounded his entire unit. So, sad part of the story. Churchill was actually in the middle of playing the song Will Ye Know Come Back Again on his bagpipes when he was knocked unconscious <laughs> in the attack. <laughs> he was, Of course. He was captured and flown to Berlin for interrogation because the German soldiers believed that he might be related to Winston Churchill, just based oh, on his name. okay. <laughs> okay. So they they soon found out that he wasn't actually related, that he wasn't the prized prisoner that they thought they had captured. Uh, but he was transferred to the Sockenhosen concentration camp. A few days there, though, and Mad Jack and a Royal Air Force officer named Bertram James tunneled their way out of the concentration <laughs> camp uh, of course he did. to escape.
1: He had a shovel in his bagpipes.
0: Probably. No, just used his sword like a shovel and dug his way out. Because I'm, I'm sure they let him keep his sword while he was in the concentration yeah. camp. Yeah, and his
1: bagpipes. They <laughs> are sitting there imagining like, he's just sitting there with bagpipes of bone hair and a sword. a sad
0: song on his bagpipes in the concentration camp. <laughs> it's
1: like, a, like the prisoners with the harmonica.
0: It's yeah. <laughs> a much louder. Yeah, <laughs> The pair made it almost to the Baltic coast on foot, but they were recaptured near Rostock, Germany. Then he was transferred to Tyrol with other high-profile Nazi prisoners. At this point, he was a lieutenant colonel in the British Army, so he was pretty high-ranking, pretty good capture for them. But the the whole group was eventually released on May 4th, 1945 after they, they were liberated by American soldiers. See, it was probably the same soldiers he warned in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> they came back for him. <laughs> Mad Jack then walked 93 miles to Verona, Italy where he met up with a group of american soldiers jesus 93 miles i actually read that it was believed he walked that way with a broken foot too oh my god (laughs) was he playing the bagpipes the entire time probably let's be honest that would be a great movie (laughs) bagpiping to italy this guy was just crazy (laughs) his final assignment of world war ii was to burma so back where he started where some of the larger land battles against japan were being fought while he was on the way there the u.s had bombed hiroshima and nagasaki actually before churchill arrived which effectively ended world war ii churchill himself was actually kind of disappointed at the (laughs) sudden end of the war he was quoted as saying if it wasn't for those damn yanks we could have kept the war going another 10 years
1: yeah, how unfortunate that the war had to end early and we couldn't have another 10 years of death and suffering. <laughs> not that I guess, like, two dropped atomic bombs is, like, a solid
0: I mean, all right. Option. Maybe we should have a Aside little conversation that, about that. World War II because <laughs> I do feel like, of course, there was some celebration about the war ending. Right. But, I mean, at what cost? Like, that's not a great way for... No. To end the well, You war. know what? I
1: actually, this is going to directly disagree with what he said, but I've read and seen in two different places that it's likely that the Japanese would have lost without the bombs.
0: Oh, I'm sure.
1: Um, so it was almost just like an overkill yeah, reason yeah, to think? test them out. <laughs> I mean, it was definitely overkill. <laughs> let's be clear. But it, it was like just purely a reason to test out the the bombs and yeah. see how they worked in in a live situation but
0: great human test subjects sorry japan <laughs> we're friends now i guess does yeah. not
1: justify nuclear warfare just yeah. for our listeners
0: trump and abe love to golf all the time i, I i'm
1: <laughs> i'm certain trump doesn't listen to our podcast so we're not encouraging anything
0: oh that's disappointing i thought we uh, might have a high profile listener <laughs> But I don't think, I mean, I don't think Mad Jack's disappointment had anything to do with you know wanting necessarily the war yeah. to keep going. It was just that he had such a lust for adventure and action right. that.
1: Well, you said like when he wasn't serving in the army, he was bored. So he yeah. like, he was having a time of his life. It was his element.
0: I, I mean, clearly the guy was. How many countries was he in? He was in Norway, Italy, Burma, India, yeah. uh, Yugoslavia, like England. Kenya, this guy was all over the place and now it's just kind of like the the means to all his traveling is over and he's yeah. probably just going to have to go back to England and wait for the next war. <laughs> so after the war ended, Mad Jack really wasn't done with his adventures still. Uh, of course he wasn't. He became a parachutist with the Seaforth Highlanders. <laughs> And he was assigned to British-occupied Palestine, where he trained soldiers to defend the area against attacks from Arab forces. Hmm. So, still in the military, still very active, still doing some crazy things. In the spring of 1948, his unit actually helped defend and coordinate the evacuation of 700 Jewish doctors, students, and patients from armed insurgents in the Hadassah Medical Convoy Massacre. Very active, active combat and saving yeah. a lot of lives in doing so. After he retired from active duty, Mad Jack moved to Australia where he became a military school instructor and learned how to surf.
1: Honestly, when I was like going through your outline, I wasn't surprised at all <laughs> that he learned to surf. I was like, this guy's going to do yeah, something else. Nothing surprising else about him anymore,
0: but also what else are you going to do when you're on Australia That's and true. semi-retired? You're going to teach what you know and learn how to surf.
1: <laughs> I go hang out with kangaroos. That's probably not true. I would definitely try to learn how to surf too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, this guy is just like unbelievable. Yeah. How much stuff he learned how to do! He actually used his surfing skills when he returned to England. He became the first person to ride the River Severn's tidal bore.
1: What is a tidal bore? I don't even know what that is.
0: It's kind of like a a very specific wave system. Is the best hmm. way to like describe it. It doesn't produce necessarily huge waves, but it's a small wave that can form inside of a river. I think it was only five to ten feet or so. Gotcha. But probably a pretty difficult surf. (laughs) Clearly, he's the first one to do it, and of course, it would be him. Back in England, he worked a desk job for the Army until his official retirement in 1959 at the age of 53. He also appeared as a background character in another film by MGM it was the 1952 film Ivanhoe that brings him up to three movie appearances I believe in this one he just appeared as an archer from the top of a building so again using some of the skills that he knew he also as a hobby would refurbish and sail coal-powered steamboats on the Thames and he played with radio-controlled model warships and of course he continued motorcycling one of his he's like, earlier hobbies
1: he's like history's version of an adventure junkie
0: pretty much i <laughs> feel like this guy just can't sit still and would just be yeah. bored.
1: <laughs> he has to go do it
0: it's also noted that every day on his train ride home from his desk job or just in retirement whenever he was in the city and riding home he would startle train guards and passengers by just throwing his briefcase out the window <laughs> randomly <laughs>
1: every day every day he threw his briefcase out the window yep did just he go back and right get out it? the window
0: well when people asked him why he was doing that he explained that he was just simply tossing it into his backyard so he didn't have to carry it home from the train station <laughs> my god <laughs> i wonder if that's true like i have to believe that that's true that he just lived close enough to the yeah. railroad road that he could throw his briefcase into his backyard but right. also did he miss ever
1: I don't know. I mean, how close was his backyard to the train tracks?
0: I mean, if his story is true, it must have been pretty close. Yeah. I can't imagine you can throw it that far out the window I mean, yeah, of a like, train. It,
1: yeah, it couldn't have been very far.
0: <laughs> can you imagine that, though? <laughs>
1: Some guy just chucking his suitcase out the window.
0: <laughs> what the? It's good. It's my backyard. Don't worry about it. It's fine. My wife got it. Just didn't want to carry it home. <laughs> we also didn't mention this, but he married Rosamund Margaret Denny on March 8th, 1941. The couple had two sons, Malcolm John Leslie Churchill and Rodney Alastair Gladstone Churchill. These are all very British names. Yes, they are.
1: (laughs) Alastair Gladstone Churchill at your service.
0: (laughs) They all have very, like, four names. (laughs) Malcolm described his father as a peace-loving and unassuming man. Another one of his famous quotes was that people are less likely to shoot you if you smile at them.
1: Which is probably true. I feel like he was the kind of guy, like, on the battlefield, he's, like, playing his bagpipes, he's got a sword and his bow. I feel like he, like, if you were close-hand combating him, he would have been, like, messing with you verbally. <laughs> he would be like, come on, chap, that's the best you got.
0: <laughs> no, it'd probably be more complimentary, like,
1: great swing, you almost got me on that one. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen a, um The Princess Bride? Oh, years ago. A I, long time. I actually just watched it for the first time, like last month, which is sad that it's the first time I've seen it. But he reminds me of the the guy in that where he's like comical
0: yeah. while he's fighting. <laughs> I have to imagine that's how he was. And honestly, it honestly even reminds me of I don't I mean you're a Steelers fan, I don't know if you've heard this or not, but uh famous Steelers receiver Heinz Ward used to always oh, say yeah. that whenever he got hit especially hard, he would pop right back up and smile at the yep. defender who hit him just to like show that. Didn't, didn't hurt him rattled, like yeah. he didn't get him that good like this is i guess the opposite he's smiling to not Freaking get shot yeah. <laughs> i don't know if that would make people like friendlier or just be like <laughs> what is this crazy guy doing out a here psycho. he's psycho he's really loving this There's like bullets whizzing past <laughs> or he maybe just was having a really good time he didn't want the war to end yeah. <laughs> jack churchill did die on march 8th 1996 at the age of 89 Which I believe would have been his 55th wedding anniversary, if we're Mm. doing that math right. So, interesting. Very interesting guy. Uh, Obviously lived a very full, adventurous life. So, (laughs) would be cool if he was still one of our living B-siders, but we missed that cut just a little bit. But, like you said, cool story. Probably would have got along with Helga Meyer if they're at the same time in history. I think they would have. Kind of similar to that style of episode where it's not like, we needed to get into a whole discussion on the historical event. He's not like necessarily someone that led to a huge chain event in history, but just a cool story that was, you might not have known if you weren't listening to a podcast about lesser known people. (laughs) You ready for your quiz? I have no idea what it's going to be about. I think you'll be all right. I don't think so. I think two of
1: the questions you'll be fine on. One is kind of hard, but you can infer some of the answers to it.
0: Great. Let's infer some answers.
1: We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to listen to History's B-Side. But normally I would say, ladies and gentlemen, this is What Should I Do the Podcast? Because I'm Scotty Brandon. My partner, Brandon, is with me. And we're going to tell you all about our podcast, but in a very, very abbreviated version. Because we want you to come over and listen. You're about to listen to Wonders of the Past right here on History's B-Side, but why don't you check out What Should I Do, the podcast, if you're looking for some personal and professional development in your life. People of all industries have been on our show for weekly, and you can find us wherever podcasts are available. If you want to come over and have some fun, listen to other people's stories and their challenges, and maybe grow through exactly what they share, as well as play some fun games, come check out What Should I Do, the podcast. We're going to have some fun, and we hope to see you there. Now enjoy History's B-Side. All right, welcome back. So, as many of you might know, we like to end every episode by asking our host a series of questions and a short quiz just to see how much he researched his topic and also to give our listeners a chance to have a little bit of fun and see what they might know about uh, the history that we cover. So, I couldn't find a ton of questions about Jack Churchill himself. I have one, but um, the other two are about, fittingly, bagpiping and archery. Oh, gosh. but, yeah, I, th- I think you'll do fine.
0: They're not. I-, I didn't try to make them hard. I feel like but. we always say that, like, yeah, you'll, you'll get this. You got this. Then no, we don't get yeah, it. Yeah, we get, like, maybe one. You actually, like, one.
1: right towards the end of the episode, mentioned one of my questions,
0: oh, I which I got, I got
1: worried about, but you didn't say anything about the answer. So, um, we'll start off with that one, actually. And I wasn't planning on including it, but since you mentioned it, I, I kind of want to see if you know. Um, So we'll start with that one, and and today's episode will have four questions. Bonus questions. So you mentioned right at the end there that he had a background role in the film Ivanhoe from MGM in 1952, Uh, and his role was shooting an arrow off the top of a building, as you said. Can you name the building? Oh, I just
0: read it. (laughs) It's in England, right? It is. Um... I have no idea. I would, if I'm gonna just make a guess, is it like, I don't know, Buckingham Palace?
1: It was close. It's Warwick, Warwick okay. Castle. <laughs> yeah, I I think I threw that question out because it was like in the Wikipedia article, and I assumed
0: you had read it, but. I just I don't work off Wikipedia, Matt. What kind of podcast do you think? Well that's fair. I just
1: I always scan through the Wikipedia thing just to see if I know Wikipedia is a great resource for our (laughs) podcast.
0: Not the only one we use. This isn't an academic
1: journal, Phil. (laughs) So I just figured I'd include that question just for the fun of it. But yeah, Warwick Castle, he was pictured shooting an arrow off the top of it. Interesting. And the the movie actually also starred his one of his growing friends. Yeah,
0: one of his friends.
1: For your second question. You mentioned Jack participating in the world champ- the Archery World Championships. Over the years, the World Archery Championships have been held in five U.S. cities. Can you name them? No. This is your hardest question.
0: Jeez. Oh, um,
1: <laughs> Two of them are super obvious and the other three are definitely
0: not. New York. Chicago. Okay, so L.A. Mm-hmm. New York and L.A. Um... For some reason i want to say orlando no hmm can you give me a state or three nevada vegas yes obviously in the indoor the indoor ones reno could have held them
1: okay <laughs> uh the other two states are i'm gonna be in uh, like kind of embarrassed i don't know where one of these is i think i do but i don't for a fact one is in south dakota is it's not a big city it's yankton south dakota never heard of it it i saw it like three different times on the archery world they must have like an archery range there or something because it was it showed up like three different times and i was like what the hell is yankton the other one is valley forge which i think is in pennsylvania but i don't i don't know where valley forge is which is pathetic
0: yeah like that's one of those that you know the place (laughs) we're a history
1: podcast we should know
0: put this on a map i feel
1: like it's in pennsylvania but Let's find out.
0: It is Pennsylvania. Yes, it is.
1: So after some research, we found that Valley Forge is, in fact, in Pennsylvania. (laughs) For all our history buffs out there.
0: (laughs) Really exposing ourselves here.
1: We've said over and over again, we're not historians. We're just normal guys. Yeah.
0: The quiz section is really just kind (laughs) of off the wall, showing how little we actually know. All right. So, for your third question,
1: we talked about him playing the bagpipes. Now, these days bagpipes are made from a synthetic fabric, but traditionally, they were made out of
0: what? Uh, is it like some kind of a lamb skin or like a animal pro- like a Is it a skin or is it like a stomach? Yeah, it's a skin.
1: It's a, you're, yeah, you're, you're like goat skin. It's, it's the entire skin of an animal, usually a sheep.
0: Okay. But here's
1: the, the reason I wanted to ask this was to explain that the legs and neck were used to insert the pipes, which sounds so gross, but I have to say when I read that it made the layout of a bagpipe make so much more sense. Yeah,
0: but that's still just gross super
1: gross (laughs) super gross but i totally understand why bagpipes look the way they do if that's the case
0: okay do you know like (laughs) when they started making modern bagpipes like was jack churchill using an old lamb carcass i imagine not i kind of
1: i this is completely my own imaginings but i feel like the 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 sheepskin bagpipes were a medieval thing
0: (laughs) I don't even know when bagpipes were started, though. I mean, they have to be super old, like yeah, ancient times. On next week's histories B side, <laughs> the inventor of the bagpipes. <laughs> hey,
1: maybe. Or, or we could do like a, a Lizzie Maggi situation—the true inventor of the bagpipes.
0: We haven't done a good like music episode yet. No, we haven't. That should be a future, coming soon episode.
1: You ready for your final question?
0: I just found an article titled, Who Really Invented the Bagpipes? I made a joke style. about the la- Lizzie <laughs> Magic thing, but we could definitely do yeah. that.
1: <laughs> Who Really Invented the Bagpipes? So for all of his accomplishments and awards. Oh, I forgot we had a bonus question. There is a bonus question. Oh, jeez. You're not off the hook yet. Crap. There is a street named after Jack called Churchill
0: Boulevard. What country is it in? Are you sure it's not named after Winston Churchill? Because a hundred percent. No, it is.
1: <laughs> it's specifically. There might be Churchill Boulevard in Britain. It's not named after Jack. And I guess that's your first hint because it's not in Britain.
0: Okay. So we just tried to rattle off all the countries he was in. Okay. My initial guess would have been Burma, which. There's probably a conversation in there as to whether it's Burma or Myanmar, because I don't know what we're supposed to call it today. But in his time, it was Burma. Mm -hmm. Every article said Burma, so we're calling it Burma. Um, I'm going to guess that it is in Palestine, like modern-day Palestine, because of the medical convoy massacre that he was a hero in.
1: Yeah, you're right. That was a good... Good call. Yeah, it's in Jerusalem. It leads actually to... It's the boulevard leading to the hospital. Oh, wow. Awesome. So, cool. that was good. Nice job.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to the crazy story of Mad Jack Churchill. Feel free to let us know what you think if this guy is too good to be true, but everything (laughs) I read says that he's real as can be. Yeah. (laughs) So... Uh, feel free to contact us, historiesbside at gmail.com. Follow us on social media. Share the show with your friends. Give us a rating or review if you'd like. And thanks for listening. History's B Side is an independent, listener supported podcast. Leave us a review or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcasting service. And follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at History's B Side. Send us your feedback or inquire about sponsorship and advertising opportunities by emailing us at podcast at historiesbside.com. You can support the show by becoming a member or making a one-time contribution at historiesbeside.com. While you're there, check out our merch shop, extras, and more. This episode was researched and produced by your hosts, Matt Melito and Philip Hall. Thanks for listening to History's B-Side.